Sorry, brothers and sisters, I uh, submitted the liturgy wrong, so we'll read from 2 Chronicles 32 now, and then Lord's Day 48, which is where we are in the, the catechism. 2 Chronicles 32 is not our text. 2 Chronicles 32, verses 1 to 23. Again, we read this in light of the petition, your kingdom come. So King Hezekiah had been doing the Lord's will with all his heart. And then after these deeds of faithfulness, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and entered Judah. He encamped against the fortified cities, thinking to win them over to himself. And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come, and that his purpose was to make war against Jerusalem, he consulted with his leaders and commanders to stop the water from the springs which were outside the city, and they helped him. Thus many people gathered together who stopped all the springs and the brook that ran through the land, saying, Why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? And he strengthened himself, built up all the wall that was broken, raised it up to the towers, and built another wall outside. Also he replayed uh, Milo in the city of David and made weapons and shields in abundance. Then he set military captains over the people, gathered them together to him in the open square of the city gate, and gave them encouragement, saying, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, nor dismay before the king of Assyria, nor before all the multitude that is with him. For there are more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. After this, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, sent his servants to Jerusalem, but he and all the forces with him laid siege against Lachish. To Hezekiah, king of Judah, and to all Judah who were in Jerusalem, saying, Thus says Sennacherib, king of Assyria, In what do you trust, that you remain under siege in Jerusalem? Does not Hezekiah persuade you to give yourselves over to die by famine and by thirst, saying, The Lord our God will deliver us from the hand of the king of Assyria? Has not the same Hezekiah taken away his high places and his altars? Commanded Judah and Jerusalem, saying, You shall worship before one altar and burn incense on it. Do you not know what I and my fathers have done to all the peoples of other lands? Were the gods of the nations of those lands in any way able to deliver their lands out of my hand? Who was there among all the gods of those nations that my fathers utterly destroyed that could deliver his people from my hand, that your God should be able to deliver you from my hand? Now therefore, do not let Hezekiah deceive you or persuade you like this, and do not believe him. For no god of any nation or kingdom was able to deliver his people from my hand or the hand of my fathers, How much less will your God deliver you from my hand? Furthermore, his servants spoke against the Lord God and against his servant Hezekiah. He also wrote letters to revile the Lord God of Israel and to speak against him, saying, As the gods of the the nations of other lands have not delivered their people from my hand, so the God of Hezekiah will not deliver his people from my hand. Then they called out with a loud voice in Hebrew, to the people of Jerusalem who were on the wall to frighten them and trouble them that they might take the city. And they spoke against the God of Jerusalem as against the gods of the peoples of the earth, the work of men's hands. Now because of this, King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, prayed and cried out to heaven. Then the Lord sent 
an angel who cut down every mighty man of valor, leader, and captain in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned, shamefaced, to his own land. When he had gone into the temple of his God, some of his own offspring struck him down with the sword there. Thus the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, and from the hands of all others, and guided them on every side. And many brought gifts to the Lord at Jerusalem, and presents to Hezekiah, king of Judah, so that he was exalted in the sight of all nations thereafter. Thus far, the reading of God's word. As we go through the Lord's Prayer, we've come to Lord's Day 48. Page 561. What is the second petition? Your kingdom come. That is, so rule us by your word and spirit that more and more we submit to you. Preserve and increase your church. Destroy the works of the devil. Every power that raises itself against you and every conspiracy against your holy word. Do this until the fullness of your kingdom comes wherein you shall be all in all. Brothers and sisters of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we say your kingdom come, what do we understand by kingdom? As you know, many of you, our relationship to our 90-year-old now, Queen Elizabeth, doesn't give us much of an idea since she exercises no real power over us. We understand from the Bible that the kingdom of God is a reality that is already here. Luke 17, verse 21. King Jesus ascended into heaven in the 30s AD and rules from above presently. And thus we work, we go to school, we eat, and we sleep under his reign. Boys and girls, we don't see our king, though, do we? Never seen him with the two eyes in our head. We see our prime minister in the newspaper and on, on the internet or TV, but we never see King Jesus. It's because the Bible also says that in a sense, the kingdom is not yet. Romans 8, verse 22 and 23. And what this means is that the kingdom of God is not yet here in its fullness, in such a way that you can see all its dimensions. I mean, we read this morning about the New Jerusalem covering, big enough to cover half of the continental United States. We certainly do not see that now. And there's more evidence of that around us that we don't see it yet. Many, many proud rebels, just like Sennacherib of old, the 
Sadly, the animal and the plant kingdom are full of suffering and death still. And sadly, work and childbearing still involve discomfort and a lot of pain. There's no city so glorious. Also, as mentioned, that the great city of the street is said to be of pure gold. In addition, we know the kingdom's not fully here yet because the citizens of the kingdom do not yet have perfect bodies. And what are we to do as we continue to wait for its coming? Like the generations that have gone before us, our king wants us to be busy with his work under his good rule, to continue to be busy with it. And what are we to do besides working for the king? Well, one of the things we're commanded to do in between his first and his second coming is to pray the prayer that he gave us. And this afternoon, we explore the second petition of that prayer, your kingdom come. And I bring to you the word of God then as summarized in Lord's Day 48 under this theme and points. In the Lord's Prayer, our Lord teaches us to pray, your kingdom come. And we, that means we pray for Kingdom submission means we pray for kingdom maintenance and growth, means we pray for kingdom warfare, and it means we also pray for kingdom completion. First of all, kingdom submission. Having a human nature, we all know that pain, submission can be painful. Boys and girls, to submit is to yield to another. It is to surrender, it is to give up one's way of doing things and obey the will of another. And human nature doesn't like submitting its will to another's. Our human nature is not good at taking instructions always. Actually, ever since the human race and Adam and Eve submitted their actions to Satan's will, the human race has been ruled by Satan apart from intervening grace. And the devil is sadly wreaking destruction on this planet through humans who submit to him. The news constantly updates us on the latest destruction. We also are impacted by decisions that are the will of the devil and not the will of God. As a church, you and I, we we ourselves, we struggle to remain free of Satan's whip. And to stay free of Satan's whip, you know that requires humility. Humility is so important because it's the only way to have God's blessing. And why? Well, it's partially because humility is vital for a good prayer life. A good prayer life needs humble soil to grow. Boys and girls, why is prayer so important? James 5 verse 16 says that prayer is powerful and it's, it's effective. And we just saw that too in, our, in, uh, in history as we were reading about Hezekiah and Sennacherib, just how that, that battle, that battle shifted a long time ago. Prayer brings the blessing of King Jesus upon us. So for example, we're blessed when we ask our Father to rule us with his word and spirit. The blessing of our king comes to our marriage life, our home life, 
our school life, our church life, when we pray your kingdom come from the heart. I think we, we all know that the from the heart part can be the hardest, hardest part. But evidence of answered prayer these days is found where love, where joy, and where peace, and where patience, and where kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control abound. Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23. Evidence of answered prayer is found in a life where the Bible functions as the map, as you know. It's not the easy life always, but it's lived under a good king. And in his reign in our lives, it, it sometimes means financial gain, and that sometimes means better health. More difficult to deal with is sometimes his reign in the lives of Christians means financial loss and loss of health at least on, during this short life. But not, not for eternity. We saw that this morning. And his reign in our lives often means repaired. And it means better relationships. Harder to deal with. Sometimes his reign means the breaking off of certain relationships. We know from this morning that someone who experiences hard times can be a very blessed person. Part of that is because the best blessings in the kingdom are currently unseen. They're invisible. This doesn't make them any less real, though. So let us continue to seek blessing by submitting ourselves to our king and praying to be ruled by him. See now in our second point that the Lord desires us not only to pray for kingdom submission, but also for kingdom maintenance and growth. Catechism says that we ought to pray, preserve and increase your church. Let us remember that the church is part of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, the people of God have always been a central part of God's kingdom on, on earth. In Old Testament times, the welfare of the ancient city, Jerusalem, was at the heart of kingdom maintenance and growth. And it was this particular city where the Lord dwelt with his people. And thus, his preservation was so critically important. To pray for ancient Jerusalem was to pray for God's will to go forward. Think of David's words that we read in Psalm 22 as he's urging others to pray. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. And so when the people called on the Lord for his kingdom to go forward, then things improved for Jerusalem. And so we we read about when Assyria's commander Sennacherib and his army laid siege to Jerusalem. Times were terrible. And then at one point, King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, they came to the Lord and they, and they prayed with all their heart. And what happened? And the Lord sent an angel who annihilated all the fighting men and the leaders and officers in the camp of the Assyrian king. 
So the Lord saved Hezekiah and the people of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, and from the hand of all others. He took care of them on every side. And many brought offerings to Jerusalem for the Lord and valuable gifts for Hezekiah, king of Judah. And from then on, he was highly regarded by all the nations. So we see how Jerusalem was brought from way down here, the brink of despair, and they were brought to a place of honor among the nations. You you see from history that prayer is a powerful weapon of God's people, which then always carry, which then carries the flip side. That's very dangerous for God's people when the weapon of prayer is rusty. So we're encouraged this afternoon again to use it often. We can think of 2 Kings 24 verse 10 when the representative of the people, the king Jehoiachin, did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And we do not hear of him praying to the Lord like Hezekiah and Isaiah did. And Jerusalem at that time relied on its own resources rather than looking upward. What was the result then in history? Well, at that time, the officers of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, advanced on Jerusalem and laid siege to it. And Nebuchadnezzar himself came up to the city while his officers were besieging it. Jehoiachin, king of Judah, his mother, his attendants, his nobles, and his officials all surrendered to him. So disgrace, tragedy, disaster. Totally flip of what happened when Hezekiah and Isaiah were under siege. And so in the eighth year of the reign of the king of Babylon, Jehoiachin was taken prisoner. And so, how horrible. When we think of the terrible things that happened during a siege, we shudder because we may have seen a little bit on the news with these Syrian cities, people experiencing many awful things. And so what what horrible consequences for God's people in the past when they didn't seek his kingdom first and when they refused to pray to him for Jerusalem to pray to the Lord for the peace of that ancient city. And so that's also a reminder to us today that we must continue to pray for the preservation and the increase of the church. Because as in the past, our preservation and our increase is promoted by prayer. The world respected the ancient city of Jerusalem when her people prayed. And also today, the world has respect for the church when she prays. For example, there are many outsiders to the faith in China who are very attracted by the churches there these days. And no surprise, many people pray for the Chinese churches We do as well from time to time. Our prayers are part of the Spirit's work to preserve and increase Christ's church. It is God's desire to see his church thrive on the back of his people's prayers. So how should we pray for Lord Jesus' church to be preserved and increased? Well, one way is to pray for the growth of the church. And also, as we, we pray this morning, this means we continue to intercede for our children. It means we continue to pray for our neighbors to come to know their creator. 
as their father? Neighbors sometimes become interested in our way of life when we're on our knees before the Lord for their sake. Perhaps some of you have read the book with the title The Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert by Rosaria Champagne Butterfield, a former lesbian English professor. Her book mentions the role of prayer in her conversion. A nearby American church prayed for the university she taught at. And our father answered their prayer, and she's now part of one of the most conservative churches in the United States. Now, when we pray for the growth of the church, we must also, brothers and sisters, continue to remember our, our missionaries in the mission field. And we must I remind you to continue to pray also for the church's purity and the church's health. And that means that we pray continually for the Holy Spirit to work among us. And we keep praying, brothers and sisters, we keep persevering to pray for straying members to be brought back in the fold. So truly a healthy church of the Lord Jesus Christ is a church that's on its knees praying for the cause of the kingdom. Sometimes Brothers and sisters, we have a hard time praying from the heart. I sometimes have a hard time praying from the heart. And sometimes we need to remember that we have to first get on our knees. Because the prayers of the ancient Israelites, they were always heard when they cried out from their knees. The tide of the war, it always swung in their favor when they fought from their knees. And in our fight against unseen, evil spiritual forces, we too need to keep utilizing the weapon of prayer. And so we need to keep fighting on our knees. Kingdom warfare is fought from a very unexpected position, but it's the best position. History has demonstrated this again and again. And we'll see this also in our third point about kingdom warfare. The catechism calls us to pray, destroy the works of the devil. Every power that raises itself against you and every conspiracy against your holy word. Church has always had the calling to pray your kingdom come in this way. And let's think about the time of Nehemiah for a moment. I invite you to turn to Nehemiah 6 verse 5. Nehemiah 6, verse 5. So, boys and girls, as you may remember, Nehemiah led the people in rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And it was a community project. I'm sure sometimes community projects happen up here as well. The devil opposed this work through men like Sam Ballot. Sam Ballot wanted the wall building to stop, so he accused Nehemiah and the Jews of planning a revolt against the Persian king. And this accusation was meant to threaten Nehemiah into stopping wall building. 
And we see the reply of Nehemiah in 6 verse 8. No such things as you say are being done, but you invent them in your own heart. Another translation says, you are just making it up out of your head. It means the same thing. Nehemiah then says that, for they were all trying to make us afraid, saying, their hands will be weakened in the work and it will not be done. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. And prayers like that, they contributed to that wall being up in 52 days. I think some of you have more of an appreciation for construction than I do. So it's amazing when you think of how long a construction project like that would normally take. And this is prayer in the context of kingdom warfare. We need to also pray that the devil's efforts may fail today. There are many ways to pray for this since the devil is very active in the world today. You can consider some of the devil's efforts. While the devil is very actively attacking us, wants to disrupt the unity that we have. Now, of course, the devil is just a creature. He's only in one place at one time. Human nature tends to blow him up bigger than he is. But also the, the spiritual forces of evil want to cripple church leadership. So brothers and sisters, continue to, to uphold your, your elders and your deacons in prayer and to, to pray for the brothers that Pray for the brother that you're looking to call. And our seminary keeps needing our prayers. The unseen spiritual forces always want to get into the minds of our professors and our students. And the devil also leads the world to attack the church in other ways. And so we need to pray also that his subtle attacks in many TV commercials... Radio, video games, internet ads fail. Not to say that they're they're all bad, but often the message is meant to steer us away from from what the Lord wants of us. Ephesians six says in the context of spiritual warfare. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert, and always keep on praying for all the saints. We know also the devil leads other forces who refuse to submit to the rule of the King Jesus. And thus, brothers and sisters, let's continue to pray for the murders of unborn boys and girls in Canada stop. Let us continue to pray for wisdom for our Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau. Let us continue to pray or to pray that the thousands of Muslim refugees coming into this country, that they encounter the gospel here. There are so many matters for prayer, aren't there? And perhaps looking on this past week, we might be discouraged at our lack of zeal in prayer. Perhaps we had a 
a great week of prayer. Easier said than done, but brothers and sisters, let's not be discouraged. Let's remember that the Lord Jesus, King Jesus, will also graciously forgive any shortcoming in the area of prayer. If we continue to humble ourselves, let us keep turning to the cross and being be fueled by his love displayed there. The king of the kingdom loves sinners like you and like me so much that he hung like a criminal between the ground and the sky. He loved us so much that he gave his life for us. And so let us keep going on under his rule, working, and while we're working, also praying, strengthened by this grace displayed many years ago in a faraway country. Focusing on the king who was crucified will also keep us from getting discouraged that we see so little of the kingdom. We see only the tip of the mountain, don't we? And yet when we pray, we can be confident that we'll see the rest someday. King Jesus will return. He will bring his kingdom to fullness. Kingdom warfare will come to an end with victory for God and his people. No one knows the day or moment when the king will come. You know the world will be a terrible place when he comes. The book of Revelation tells us that natural disasters, war, and great deception has happened and is happening and will happen before the end. Also, we know the gospel must be first preached all over the planet before the end come. When he does come, all of King Jesus' enemies will be put under his feet. As 1 Corinthians 15 verse 24 says, Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. At that time, God will be all in all. And at that time, all your prayers, come Lord Jesus, will be fully answered. Our king will finally get the glory he deserves. King Jesus' kingdom will have come and believers will rejoice in their salvation. And it will be glorious to be in the city of the great king. Toronto, New York City are nothing compared to the great city to come. And today's Jerusalem will also be nothing compared to the new Jerusalem. The city of the great king will be magnificent. It will be 12,000 stadia in every dimension. As, as mentioned, picture the continental United States in your head. If the city of King Jesus were located there, it would cover half of the continental United States. fantastic size. And so let us be encouraged by this glorious perspective that we saw in the last chapters of Revelation. It's chapters like these that encourage us to keep praying, your kingdom come. Our best worship services, our best times of Christian fellowship, our best times in God's creation, but a small taste of what's coming. That might speak very powerfully to us, especially if we're on holidays in the beautiful area here. And now, as we continue our travels, let us sing Psalm 122 to cheer our feet forward to the new Jerusalem. Amen.